Hi, I'm Allison Prophet, Managing Editor of BioIT World. The Medical Informatics World Conference, taking place April 8th and 9th in Boston, will bring together industry leaders and decision makers in the fields of health IT, healthcare, biomedical sciences, pharmaceuticals, and IT for two days of presentations and discussions on research advances, information trends, and new enabling technologies in healthcare. Joining me today is Mark Berger, who will be speaking in the Population Health Management Segmentation and Stratification Track on April 8th. Mark is the Vice President of Real World Data and Analytics at Pfizer, and during his career, he's held a variety of positions at Optum Insight, Eli Lilly, and Merck. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. At the conference, you'll be speaking on increasing the precision of therapeutics. Can you give us a little preview? Sure. Um, as everyone knows, there's been um, rising health care costs, which have uh, put increased pressure on the system, and that has led to an increased demand for value by payers, and therefore um, they have uh, adopted a variety of strategies to manage the adoption of new healthcare technologies. Um, around the world, uh, health technology assessment uh, is formally done to inform reimbursement and access. And in this country, uh, different formulae designs have been used to restrict access to subpopulations that will benefit most, and there's a beginning of an interest in risk-share contracting. With this increase in demand for value by payers and with these techniques to manage adoption of new technologies, um, the innovation industry of the pharmaceutical industry and the biotechnology industry need to um, adopt new methods to develop uh, therapies that are targeted to patients who will benefit most. This has been called under various terms, personalized medicine, stratified medicine, tailored therapeutics, or precision medicine. And what I will be reviewing in my talk is a brief overview of how precision medicine at Pfizer is being prosecuted, where we try and build an understanding of the disease uh, right down to pathways and targets, and how we link this disease understanding uh, to the um, clinical outcomes that are of interest so that we can begin to develop medicines that target the right pathways and produce the optimal response um, in patients that will benefit most. And so the idea is to have um, an understanding of what the right target is, to have the right drug or combination of drugs, and target it at the right patient uh, based upon uh, a variety of factors. Now, um, the one of the examples of an early uh, precision medicine that's come out of Pfizer is Zalcori or uh, Kerzidinib, um, which is a uh, drug that is targeted um, at patients with uh, adenocarcinoma that ha have the ALK fusion gene, um, uh, express the ALK fusion gene. This emphasis on understanding um, um, the genetic variability is not, it ha although it's uh, led to a number of breakthroughs, um, has not led to uh, as many breakthroughs as fast as some people would have anticipated. And the reason behind that is that um, the source of heterogeneity of response to therapy um, um, is derived from a number of characteristics. It's not just genotypic variables that lead to that variability, um, but also phenotypic variables. 
we know that patients with different characteristics or, or have uh, different um, uh, health status or, or reported health status, that they have different responses to therapy. We also know that patients' attitudes and behaviors vary and how patients understand the importance of their disease and whether they, um, what lifestyle they have and whether they have the support structure to stay adherent to their drugs can be very important. And then lastly, there are factors that have nothing to do with patients that have to do with the setting in which they do get their care so that uh, practice patterns differ around the country. Uh, different treatment guidelines are being used. Protocols and standards of care exist. And so the combination of genotypic variables, phenotypic variables, patient attitudes and behavior, and characteristics of, of the healthcare environment in which the patient is being treated, all of which... Uh, lead to variation in uh, how uh, a patient will respond to therapy. And so um, as we're moving from the old blockbuster model where uh, it was basically uh, one-size-fits-all um, or trial-and-error medicine, we, we knew that we had a drug and we knew it would probably work in somewhere between uh, uh, 60 and 80% of patients, but we didn't know the 20 to 40 percent of patients it wouldn't work in. So you would try the drug, and if it worked, you were happy, and if it didn't work, you would switch over. Now we're trying to move to having some better understanding about who will respond and who will not respond before we start treating. And um, as you, as, as, with the Zalcori example and others um, uh, that have been that have come out, like Herceptin, um, the idea of using genotypic variation to identify molecular targets um, has uh, proved to be useful. However, um, as I said, um, there are many other sources of variation which we have not yet, as yet, routinely incorporated into how we develop drugs. And just to illustrate why molecular targeting is not the end-all and be-all, there are many other drugs we develop that are molecularly targeted, which have much greater variability in their, in their response. An example of that are ACE inhibitors, which are used to treat um, hypertension. And um, uh, the fact is that ACE inhibitors were less effective than thiazide diuretics or calcium channel blockers in African Americans. And also, uh, ACE inhibitors are associated with uh, a side effect uh, of, uh, of, uh, in some patients of a chronic cough. Um, and that cough is more common in African-American and Asians than in Caucasians. So even though the ACE inhibitors targeted uh, a specific uh, um, molecular target, um, uh, we now see that this variation in phenotypic thing, uh, uh, characteristics of patients uh, show that there is tremendous variability both in effectiveness and on the safety side, and so there are factors beyond the drug and the molecular target that are influencing the clinical outcome. And so what I'm going to then discuss a little bit about is um, how do we currently address that um, in our development process, and the most common way we uh, address that is by doing subgroup analyses. And uh, subgroup analyses um, uh, can be very useful, but um, they also can be misleading, and I'm going to discuss an article by... Peter Rothwell that was published in The Lancet a few years ago where there were multiple cases of subgroup analyses which were uh, found in well-done randomized clinical trials but subsequently shown to be uh, incorrect. 
So then I'm going to talk about a couple of different approaches that one can use to begin to um, tease apart heterogeneity um, in patients that are being treated. Um, and um, uh, one of the uh, approaches uh, uh, I will discuss is the use of a total illness body inventory, um, which is a, um, a questionnaire that was developed by Shelley Greenfield and his colleagues. Um, and uh, they've been able to show that by looking at um, essentially the review of systems um, that go along with uh, whatever your index illness is. So let's say uh, you're being treated for diabetes. You want to know now about um, are you bothered by arthritis? Are you bothered by GI disease? Do you have uh, other conditions? If you look at the bother to these, to these other conditions, it actually can allow you to begin to parse and separate um, uh, the, uh, the probability of getting a treatment effect, um, uh, a strong treatment effect, um, in terms of how patients uh, respond to therapy. Uh, another approach which I'm going to discuss is some work that I started several years ago when I was at Lilly, um, and this is what we call the Ensemble Minimal Data Set, which takes um, a variety of questions that you can ask the patients around their uh, health status, uh, their um, personality and their behaviors, and um, it also, uh, similar to the TIBI, is uh, begins to allow you to, to separate out this heterogeneity. And the whole point of separating out the heterogeneity is to allow you to um, separate the signal, what is the treatment effect, from the noise, which is the heterogeneity of response that is occurring due to a whole variety of variabilities that occur due to patient characteristics, or as I say, uh, the healthcare system, uh, delivery system characteristics. And so um, um, I, I think that we're poised on a, on a uh, uh, beginning of a very new era where we start to combine what is uh, these tremendous insights that are beginning to emerge from um, first the Human Genome Project and now all the work that's been done since then to understand uh, uh, the human genome and how genetic variability uh, leads to uh, disease uh, and disease mechanisms. And we're going to start combining it with um, uh, insights into uh, uh, other sources of heterogeneity that we're not able to uh, um, investigate right now by looking at genomics or molecular targeting. And by the combination of those two, I think we're going to end up with, um, in the near term, um, uh, medicines that are um, much better targeted uh, uh, to um, patients who are either going to benefit most or um, not given to patients who are not going to benefit very much or potentially to avoid side effects in patients who are more prone to get those side effects. All right, great. Um, sounds like you've got lots to cover. Um, besides your talk, which sounds fascinating, what else are you excited about at the event? Well, this is a very exciting time in the uh, uh, evolution of uh, healthcare information technology. And um, we are seeing the slow but um, maybe not so slow transformation from a, a paper-based um, healthcare uh, system to one that's going to be electronically based. And um, with that, comes the hope that as we're able to um, integrate information from 
um, the claims records, which we've had for a very long time, with electronic medical records, with lab data, um, and other sources of data that are being ca captured electronically that will be able to get um, newer and deeper insights into the course of disease and the response to therapy. Um, and if we're able to do this, um, there is the expectation that we should be able to deliver more effective and more efficient health care. And both of those are very, very important because there's um, still a lot of unmet medical need out there where patients are not uh, getting the therapies they need to get better. And at the same time, we need more efficiency because um, uh, health care costs need to be managed better uh, so that we can make sure we can provide health care to everyone that needs it. And so um, the promise is that health information and um, technology and the use of that health information in new and interesting analytic ways will allow us to uh, improve patient outcomes and help bend the cost curve. And um, this is not going to happen tomorrow, but the people who are coming to this conference are some of the people who are going to be help making that happen. So I'm really excited to uh, network with a lot of them and to hear what they're doing right now and share what we're doing because it's only through the interaction and the community of everyone who are trying to do this that we're going to make uh, great strides going forward. Great. Mark, thank you so much. We do hope that you'll join us for the full Medical Informatics World event next month in Boston. For more information, please visit www.medicalinformaticsworld.com.